Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big Jim is wearing his heels. Marching around the town to get some thrills. But it's time to go in now. And he's big and red. A shot of black coffee, now he's super dead. He gets lost. I'm a big dick house. I showed him up some whiskey and he shoot it like a mouse. Welcome back to the Big Jim Show. And it's the return of the Mac. Here it is, return of the Mac. Oh yeah, it's Mac Hansen. Mac Attack, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? It's good to, good to hear your voice. Buzzing, mate. We're like best mates now, aren't we? Yeah. This is two. This is episode two. You actually, albeit remote. Yeah. I thought I thought we were best mates. You actually ghosted me on Instagram. What do you mean ghosted you? What does that mean? I, I sent you a message. You you seen it and didn't reply. Genuinely, when was that? <laughs> the other week. Couldn't believe it. Right. I'm going to blame my agency. I'm going to blame my agency because they've run it as well. No. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll blame it on them. I guess. Yeah, they don't. That sounds too big time. But look, mate, this is a Christmas special. Neither of us have got Christmas hats on, so this episode is going to come out between Christmas and New Year. So we don't want to go too festive, do we? But are you Christmassy when you're away from home or not? I am Christmassy. Yeah, I um, no, I enjoy a good Christmas. Who doesn't? Might hit up the beer tent later here in Galway. Uh, they they blast out Christmas songs and whatnot. So. I enjoy getting into the spirit, yeah. You don't sound like it, though. You don't sound like you're, oh, you're buzzing man. for it. I know you're tired from last night's game. Come on, double down on it. We got back late. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll am i perp up now for you. Sorry. You will. I love Christmas, so the energy in my voice is palpable. And I've got the four children. I bloody love Christmas. I always find this weird, Mac, that I know you, I say, like, you're not at home. You are. You're island till you die now. Mm. But growing up in Australia, half the world celebrate christmas in blistering heat i can't get my head around it that's you know what it was so weird when i came over here and yeah it is it is quite bizarre like it's so different as i said i have a lot of seafood and stuff like that on christmas day seafood a lot of seafood yeah because oh, as you said it's hot like everybody's going to the beach um eating prawns eating prawns on christmas like tell me this right because obviously half of the world right celebrate christmas in the sunshine, yep. which again, I'll just reiterate, I, I find crazy. You think it's a bit weird when it's raining or even snowing, but is there not the affiliation with snow, with Home Alone, with New York? Is that not how Aust- people in Australia or in the Southern Hemisphere picture Christmas or not? Um, no, it probably would be. Let's we'll be honest. Um, call a spade a spade that Chris with Christmas comes, as you said, the snow and all that. But I tell you what, I think you'd enjoy a hot Christmas. It's a nice little change up. And as I said, the seafood and everything is, it's, uh, you still have the Christmas ham and the turkey and all that, but it's just a nice little, little side dish to throw in there. Me and the missus were talking about it. Like we're going away in January for some winter sun, but she was all over the idea of having Christmas in the sun. I was down in South Africa, way too hot. I was like, this ain't Christmas. There's Christmas trees up and I'm sweating profusely. The lights weren't on because they were load shedding, but it was just a bizarre. <laughs> set up they, like, they just, were on but they just turn off for fucking two hours at a time well i just said why don't you just keep them off like there's no point as in they had them the weird thing was they had them on in the day right mm. and then they were load shedding in the evening i was like what's the point in not having the lights on in the evening but having them on in the day you know what really gets me about that as well i always whenever we go over there i always forget to turn the lights off so like it'd be load shedding i'll be ready for bed about to fall asleep and then lights back on you're part of the problem, mate. I am, yeah. I guess so. But as you said, let's keep them off throughout the day. This is this is towards the end of the night because what is it? Like 8 o'clock they, they load or whatever whatever it's called. It's staggered. It depends yeah. where you are in the country. I was chatting to the driver there, legend, who actually lived next door to Nelson Mandela. Yeah, anyway, I know we're segueing. Right, let's get straight into how things are now, Max. So we will have a little kind of look back on the year. But personally, how are you? How is the 
I'm going to call it. Is there a fallout after the World Cup? What's the mood like in the Mac Hansen's mind? Yeah, look, it was um, it was pretty disappointing. Obviously, we we genuinely thought that we could win the whole thing. I think a lot of people did. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna sugarcoat it. It was pretty pretty depressing coming back home. We it was good though. We when we got, when we got back, um, I think we had a couple of days apart, and then Johnny got us all up to his house, chucked some steaks on, we had some drinks and sex though. Yeah, sex though. Yeah, decent pad. He's actually oh my god, seriously, his house is crazy. Come on, yeah, like what? I'm pretty sure it's three stories and like big too, and in a good spot. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't remember the um I couldn't remember the exact spot. I had a few by then, but. Yeah, probably best not to name drop exactly where he lives, but <laughs> yeah, decent no. pad, like as you'd expect. Oh, like, I know for I was being told from the the area and the pure size, like crazy. I'd say he probably wouldn't like me saying that, but it's true. Oh, that's fine. It's it's straight straight up honesty. He's one of the legends of the game. Like you'd like to think that he lives in a, a castle <laughs> would, would. in Dublin. He pretty much does. So straight to his. Yeah, we went to his. Had a little reunion. Um, a lot of hugging, a lot of I love yous and whatnot. And was there because you know what it's like, right? When you're in this testosterone fueled environment and there's a few beers flowing, and people deal with let's call it grief in different ways. Like I'm a lover. Like after a few beers, I'm a lover. I'm a yep. hugger. I'm a singer. I'm straight to the karaoke. I'm an I love you man. Yeah. If it kicks off, then I'm obviously straight in because I'm hard. But <laughs> there's. <laughs> There'll be a few that are like that, but there'll be like, what's Peter Romani like? I don't imagine he's going around saying, "I love you" after after the quarterfinal. He's got a soft spot. He, I, I'm pretty sure I got a couple "I love yous" out. Of, I love you too, kid, out, out of him. Genuinely, yeah. So there was a lot of love. Was there grief or not? Because it. I, I mean, I'm just going based on being there, Mac. As you know, I, I was there pitch side and all the energy around the Ireland team and the French team, and there was this kind of desire. Uh, a joined-up global desire, unless you're, unless you're in South Africa or New Zealand, that someone wanted a Northern Hemisphere side, an Irish or a French, to win the World Cup or to go further than they did. So there was a kind of a grief element to that. But like you mentioned, being at Johnny's house there, so a lot of love, obviously a lot of lads saying, look, no one's died here. It is sport at the end of the day. But... How emotional was that in that moment? Because we were—I was chatting to Andrew Porter about it, and he really struggled. He said, like after he came on the rugby pod with me and Goody, he was talking about it, and the lights are switched off. No pun intended. No low shed intended when I talk about that. But the lights are off. The World Cup's over. You're at Johnny's house. There's a lot of love, but devastation, right? That that day, it was like everybody was in good, like not that we were over by any means, but everybody kind of was using the day as, you know, a celebration of what we kind of did achieve, even though, you know, we didn't get past where we wanted to. And as I said, it, it didn't go to plan. Like, end of the day, we kind of wanted to get everybody to fall in love with rugby in Ireland. And, you know, I think I think we did that. And I think, you know, it's it's still going to be left in good sets. Like, we've got a lot of people that will be returning for the next one. It's not all doom and gloom. But uh, that, that day was mostly just about kind of, yeah, enjoying each other's company again and... Uh, and just getting around each other. Too, I was back only for two days, and honestly, it was it was bizarre. I felt incredibly alone. It was it was nice being around. As you said, like you're around everybody um, constantly, twenty four seven. You go from that to just back to normal sort of thing. It was it was pretty bizarre. It's like the hurt locker effect. I've mentioned that before, and, and that's on an extreme scale. But it's a movie around them being in the Iraq War. And then they're on the front line and it's absolute chaos. And then it just flips to him being in a shopping mall trying to pick a, a box of cereal to take home to his family. I know that that's an extreme comparison, as it were. But Andrew Port was talking about, I, I've mentioned it before, I, I got knocked out at a quarterfinal. And I've obviously retired from rugby as well. And there yeah. is that kind of, you snap back into reality and normality and I think the thing is for the Ireland team and for you lads and we spoke about it on the podcast that we did earlier in the year but the momentum of being the best team in the world uh, beating the All Blacks you know you know the history right and the, and the listeners will know the history as well to as ruthless as it is at a World Cup you go home two days later and you're not expecting to be home you're not wanting to be home there's a lot of people not expect you to be home and I suppose there's a number of emotions, isn't there? Some will be like embarrassment, which you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be embarrassed by that, but you gutted. But it's interesting, the lonely statement that you made, because Ports was on about that as well. He was like, he was just 
Yeah, he, he said he was depressed. That's what he said. Yeah, we were, like, I could say most of the squads were very similar, but, like, we were genuinely spending, like, pretty much every second together for the whole time. For, I think it, when we got home, it was, like, 18 weeks on the dot or something ridiculous since we, like, started day, yeah, um, from day one. So, yeah, went from that to just kind of, and obviously, like, it's only it was only me, Bundy, and Finley sort of from Connect, so, like, Lenser Lads, kind of head back in on Monday and, you know, all still together. Same with Munster also, like a good few there where we, I guess we only had the three of us sort of thing. So it was, as I said, it was just a really strange thing to that you don't really think of. Like when you're in it and you're amongst it, you probably feel the same. Like you just feel like it's never going to end. Yeah, you kind of don't want it to end. But look, you know, New Zealand were fucking, they were good. They were very good that day and um, they showed how, how good they could be. Like they only lost... Um, the very very end there against South Africa so I don't know I don't really know what else to say about it to be honest well it's hard to unpick it isn't it like we're not we're going to keep it high energy but just the World Cup as a whole now there's all these kind of conversations which I leave behind now and kind of ignore that rugby's dying it's in a shit place I was there at the World Cup and not even as a player and it was absolutely epic and it showed me the growth it showed me the interest in the game. It showed me the quality, the athletes, the the stories within our game. As a player, is that what it was like? Were you just like, this is fucking unbelievable? Genuinely could not believe it. It was, it was fucking nuts. And I think people, because they were away and it was well, like everybody just seemed to loosen up a little bit more as well. And like, you could just see people using it as a holiday and just really enjoying it. Like it was, um, no, it was something I'd never seen before. It was... You know, when the crowd starts singing zombie and you're just like, fuck's sake, like what is... I have never, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now, that is the most energy I've felt in a stadium outside being a player. I mean, it's different when you're on there and you run out in your home ground, Murrayfield and the lights and stuff like that and that feeling of alive. I was absolutely gobsmacked when the fans were singing that after... Who, who did you beat? It was... Yeah, when you beat South Africa, that was the big one. Yeah. Where you beat South Africa in Paris, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. What was that like, I mean, as a group? Um, no, you nailed it with goosebumps. It was just like, we were literally walking around the field just going, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, how good is this? It was just, like, it's something you don't really see in footy. Like, it after the games, like, you might get a little cheer and stuff like that. But you know how, like, it, it just just felt like something out of this world sort of thing it just hadn't hadn't been really seen for a while where to, to me it seemed like every like everybody in Ireland was kind of just in unison sort of thing using that song as a way to just show like how together everybody was it sounds a bit corny but like that's that's genuinely what it felt like it just felt like everybody there was having a great time and had serious belief and that's you know that's what it's all about at the end of the day just having fun and, and whatnot and it just seemed like that's what the Irish fans were doing um not just them as well, fuck. Like, and we were seeing videos and, and like the drive-in and stuff like that. Like there was so many other aspects to it where you're just like, this is actually crazy. Like I remember driving in to the South Africa game and you got to take a weird turn sort of and like come back around um, and there's a big walkway, you know, leading into the stadium. There's that big walk from, from the train station, I think it is. And like the amount of fans there, and then they see us, and they're all running to the bus, screaming at the top of their lungs. Like it was the whole thing from start to finish. It was just, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, some of the clips of the Irish fans outside, they were, where was it? The Moulin Rouge. That's where it was all kicking off. I'd say the French were actually quite ecstatic that we got kicked out. To be honest, <laughs> well, maybe maybe the public, not the bar owners. In the streets, weren't they? They were just. It was great to see. Like we we were getting Snapchats and well, I was I was getting Snapchats and, and videos sent to me of holding up traffic to or doing malls against cars and just running an absolute muck. No, it was cool. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you genuinely believe that you won the hearts and minds of maybe casual fans that were potentially sitting on the fence around Rugby Union? Oh, massively. I've had, um, I've had a crazy amount of people here that have said like, oh, I don't really, I never really watched footy or, you know, supported it much. And then after the World Cup, just jumped on the bandwagon, like heaps of people. Um, one of my cousins from, from Cork as well, he, he started playing footy for the first time in, and he's well into his 20s. So stuff like that. Like I think a lot of people really got on board with it and showed how much fun that like footy can be supporting it. Like it doesn't have to be, all doom and gloom, like everybody just seemed to jump on the bandwagon and, as I said, just enjoy it instead of kind of worry about everything else around it. Um, and when you do that, like it just makes it so much easier to fall in love with the game. And no, it definitely happened. As I said, yeah, I'd say that participation in rugby has gone through the roof here and it's a good thing to see. And as you said, we're in good stance. Like we we still got a really good team. You know, obviously, missing Johnny is going to be a big loss, but... And, and Keith himself as well, sorry. Like, there's two absolute legends of the game that are moving on, but, you know, there's still a lot of good people coming through and a lot of a, lot of a core core group in that squad that will be there for, for many years. So, no, as long as everybody sticks on board with us, you know, there's plenty more chances to come. Yeah, what did Big Faz say or what has he said? It must be really difficult because you've been the best team. It's not as if you were third, fourth in the world and... You come out of the World Cup and it's a, it's a semi-final and it's better than it was. Like you've been the best team yeah. over the last year. Like how do you refocus the mind? Like what do you go on to do now? What's the the level of appetite with the change of guard without Johnny? Big Faz has signed a new contract. If it's any other team, it's well, want to win the Six Nations, want to win the Grand Slam, you know, want to do something in that space. But you've done all that. So how do you refocus the mind and the energy to get back into not just domestic rugby like you are now but internationally is it to be world number one again like how does it all work i think for sure that we'll be aiming for that grand slam again i don't think you get you can get enough of them (laughs) uh sorry i I know this is probably a tough conversation for you (laughs) um no look you you know i think that's what you aim for for sure like the six nations as i said if if we can get the same support and everybody around us again that will be the chat when we go in. I'm, I'm sure about it. It'll be about getting silverware and um, trophies back in that cabinet again. And that's that's definitely what they'll be aiming for. And then, you know, if you if you win a grand slam, the rest kind of take care of itself. Like you, you'll move up the ranks, get back into world number one, whatever it is. I think for us, it's literally just about winning games. That's that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about win as many games as we can, and just that's what that's kind of what it was about. Like leading into World Cup, we just we just wanted to kind of well, the whole thing was sorry inspire a nation was our our main thing but we're like how do we do that and we do that by just winning so refocusing i think will be easy enough everybody in there has a real desire to win so uh, and i think our first the first game is france and look that's a pretty easy game to get up for as well like the the french french crowds nuts themselves so uh, they'll be hurting we'll be hurting so uh, yeah it'll be quite easy to to refocus i'd say yeah, and how was Big Faz? Has he said anything? I know he's a great people man, great motivator. Has he just everyone left everyone to their own devices and reconvene, or has he reached out? No, I think there. I think everybody was yeah a little bit hurt and kind of needed a little bit of time away, uh, himself included. You know, after after the game, he just said, you know, lads, this is unfortunately this is sport. It happens. You not you don't always get everything that you you think you deserve and. That was kind of it. That was kind of it for the footy chat from then on out. It was all about literally just getting around each other and making sure everyone was all right. Um, yeah, even though it doesn't it sounds like we're talking about a death, really, doesn't it? But but in sport, it, it, I think it, it was. I think that it was a not the death of a, a human or the death of a nation, but 
it was just the energy. It was the energy. Yeah. That was the thing in the stadium. And I, I think if we maybe didn't have that, it was it could have felt slightly different. But one of the best things of seeing the support was being pitched on and having these kind of celebs and stuff like that. It was wicked for me. And having Shane Lowry and Rory McIlroy talk about the love of the team and seeing Bono as well and you too. Uh, that's actually quite a good point. So I don't know whether they left a message or whatever, but I was getting physio in Edinburgh yesterday, getting my back put right. And Muchie, who is Mr. the Mitch, island yeah. physio, Mr. Much, Mr. Much, quirky as they come, but <laughs> saved my career with a wooden block and some fingers in my mouth, some pressure points. But he's got a physio clinic down the road and his business partner was saying that all the island backroom staff have been over to Vegas mm. to go and see Bono and you too. Did you not get the invite, mate? That was meant to be our fucking trip if, if we wanted. Was it? That, yeah. It was chat of going to Vegas, going to the Sphere and having a week. Yeah. Oh. So that was a bit of a bummer as well when that obviously we've knocked out. That's the biggest bummer, not going to Vegas and seeing you two <laughs> live. It's fucking up there. Like it was. Uh, I'm look. I don't know if it would have been all inclusive, but everybody was looking pretty forward to that trip. But yeah, the the staff all got to go over. And from what I've heard, um, they kept that pretty quiet. There was no chat about that at all. So they were- I don't know if Big Faz went. I'll just say that. But I know yeah. Muchi took the time to go over there because there's some great sports teams. I think that was his excuse. Even oh, yeah, though, yeah, yeah. well, he's a vegan as well. Can't trust him. No, he he strikes me as someone that would be just stuck on the tables. Yeah, but they went to see you too. Did you get a message off Bono and stuff? I know they would. They supported it on social media. We saw stuff, but no, no message from no. Bono. Bono, it's never too late to reach out there. Semis and finals, mate. That's yeah. where the message was. <laughs> the archives, it was coming. Yeah. Sorry, Mac. Sorry. Um, right, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Australia as well. I don't know what the consensus over there. If you chat to any of the lads, but it's fucked at the minute. It seems, but they're trying to sort themselves out. They are. Eddie Jones is gone. Yeah. There is talk of, well, Joe Smith actually is front runner to take over, former Ireland really? coach. He's yeah, front right. runner at the minute. He's, he's odds on favourite to take the job. Ian Foster as well has been banded about. Andy Friend, who I think would be class. What's the lay of the land in Australia, Matt? What are your mates saying? Oh, uh, look, it's not it's not in the best best place in the world, is it? Um, man, it was, just, they, it was just seemed like such a really bizarre way to go about a World Cup. You know, you go into World Cups to win and from listening to, you know, stuff Eddie was saying, it just didn't seem like that was kind of his point, was it really? Like it, it was more about building to the next thing and then to go from that to kind of leaving straight after it's pretty, I don't know, it was a, it was a weird situation It was, and I thought it was quite a weird move from him, especially everything that was kind of said afterwards about not going to the Japan and uh, the Japan team and, uh, they're not in talks and all that, and then he signed like two days later. It was just that whole kind of thing's been a bit of a circus, really. But as you said, they've they've made some changes, and um, there's some like there's some unbelievable players still there playing footy in in Australia. They just need to get put in the right direction and let the rest take care of itself. It kind of seemed like they were going, even though they had a couple losses under Rennie. From talking to the lads, like there was a lot of it was a real good vibe around the camp and kind of seemed like it was the right way to go so as i said now they got some new people in charge hopefully they'll make the right decisions really i don't know how much you can say or you don't need to at all but i hear mixed things around eddie jones and look he's clearly a a good and or even a great rugby coach you think about what he's done his history he's been in finals before with australia he's coached south africa what he did with japan in the world cup of 2015 uh, when they beat south africa You think about his relationship with rugby, but he just seems to have gone nuclear over his, at the end of his England tenure, the way that that was done to then go to Australia, the way that he dealt with that. But genuinely, if you speak to the players, and I don't know whether this is, and you you might be the same because you're still a player, you don't really hear anyone come out and say, this bloke is a good not a decent bloke you know and I don't know whether that's because they want to keep close but the, the the wider public and not that that matters the media or anyone else that is happy to say it says the complete opposite you know the the amount of coaches that there's been turned over and it was such a big move wasn't it Mac to go to Australia for him as an Australian as a proud Australian to turn Australia rugby into a powerhouse which it kind of needs with the Lions tour going there in two years and the World Cup there in four years and just because it's Australia right a proud nation in sport across all different sports 
but rugby union especially, but then just to completely implode and see what's happened there. Like another thing, like you've lost you Australia have lost one of the best players in Mark Nwanganitawase to yeah. rugby league. Like I just think it's it's mental. How do you not keep an international of that quality? Is it money? I mean, is it was it the Eddie Jones effect? Is there anything else that you've heard that's happening there? Because it is in a bit of dire straits at the minute. Yeah, look, I I, I kind of look at it right of they've signed um, that Sawali from from rugby for like a million dollars or something like that. I'm pretty sure something crazy. I look mm. don't, don't quote me on any of that, obviously, but. Um, uh, he's a great player, obviously. So, but Mark just signed for however much, and like, you know what I mean. Like, he could have kept Mark, who, as you said, is probably one of their best players at the moment. Probably one of the best wingers going around. Like, he's playing some unbelievable footy. Um, you could have kept him and signed someone else, and probably somebody else with the money that you're spending on one player. To me, it just didn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, if you're going to be making those moves, you know, having one like great player is handy but I don't know surely you want to keep like a, a core group of guys that have kind of proved themselves week in week out as well and yeah spend your money a bit bit smarter than that I, that was the way I kind of looked at it I just thought yeah to not be able to keep him but throw around all this coin like massive figures at just one one person it, it doesn't make sense mm. and even seeing Michael Hooper like not be, I don't know whether that was his decision or Eddie's decision like nothing's really come out has it and now Hoops is saying that he's going to go and play seven so he's clearly fit still if to be able to transition for 15s to that you've got to be extremely fit to do that uh, not the stuff around Quay Cooper but he's a high profile player that you can maybe talk about that wasn't involved in the World Cup but did it go deeper than what we saw in Australia, do you think? Or do you think it was just one man making a decision to put this team into transition to play a load of youngsters? Or do you think it just kind of just all folded like a like a pack of cards? From what I've heard, I think it was just a shit show all, all around, to be honest, yeah. From start to finish of, of Eddie, to be honest. I don't know if it was like that he didn't expect to, to get the role or something. It just didn't sound like he... Didn't sound, or it didn't even look like he just had a like he had a plan, like he had a proper plan for for the team. And you know, like I, I, a lot of people travelled over for that, and it's not good for Australian rugby where they where they feel like their kind of holidays been wrecked because Australia's done so bad, sort of thing. Um, like there was a lot of that. Like uh, people have like I've been looking forward to this for four years, and this happens. So like when you hear stuff like that, you're just like, oh. That is just not what Australian rugby kind of needs at the moment. We need people loving the game and loving the experience, you know, as, as we were talking about just before. And it just doesn't seem like that happened at all. But, you know, I don't think the, the players are to blame. Um, you know, it's easy for me to say being a player, but just from hearing the background and, you know, the turmoil that was going on in that squad, like it just, to me, it, it seemed like they were set up to fail because, like, they had a lot of, they had a lot of really good players that, you know they should have done a lot better than they did, and they know that and and everything. But I just don't think they were given the tools to be able to do that. To be honest with you, because everything you hear about Andy Farrell and how he is about the human, about the man, about the family. First, we had Johan Van Graam on the rugby pod, and he's now doing really well at Bath and talking about family first and all that. In this world, and you can say this as a player, Mac, having grown up in Australia but now playing in one of the best teams in the world, but also as a young man, as an athlete, when I was playing, it was get the gloves on, sharpen your studs, we're going fucking full noids, toughen up if you go down, get up. There, there was no love, rainbows yeah. and beetles. Like it wasn't, that's not what it was. It was about toughening up and you got spoken to toughly and harshly and you got shouted at and it was very old school. As a young athlete now and being in Andy Farrell's company, is it around love? Is it around empowering you young men? to go and be the best you can be or do you think it, it's different cultures have different things and that's fit for purpose and what different squads have and again I'll just say one other man you look at the way that Rassi Erasmus speaks about his men speaks about his players you look at the emotion that he shows on his face I love that you know I'm a little bit of the old school but I do love that new school but is that what it is about getting the very best out of your team and your players is about showing that love and empathy and respect no I think I think it is I think it's you know, it's a combination of things. I think it's letting guys 
as you know, back in the day, it was probably about. He said, like it was really just like nailing down, get through this, and just try to beat the shit out of each other, sort of thing. Where now it's uh, Faz made it a real point to kind of make sure that we're enjoying ourselves as well, and we're not you like you're not coming into camp kind of dreading it. You're coming into camp pumped and like you're ready to go, and you you're actually really really excited to be in there. Which you know, talk, like it might sound easy enough, you know, representing your country and stuff like that. You should be pumped, but like end of the day you're leaving your family behind and you're leaving a lot behind to, to go into this thing for a, for an X amount of months and, and all that. So Faz just made it a real point. And all the coaches, may I say, like there was John Fogarty was in charge of crack. I think we talked about this before. Like we had certain things where it was designed that we were like, yeah, just going to relax and just enjoy ourselves for a bit. There was a lot of that going on. And then Faz made it a real point of getting the families involved. So like the families were flying over for all the games and – um and all that and put up in the hotels with us and so yeah i think it has changed and it's come a long way and i think it's for the best to be honest with you like it i was actually going to bring up razzy myself and you know i you just remember the clip of um you know him bawling his eyes out crying talking about um pippi and what happened with his family and stuff like that like at end of the day when you see the emotion that like your, your coaches kind of give to you and how much that they respect and care for you it, all you want to do is play for them play well for them and kind of give them everything you got so and it's a lot easier to do that when yeah, to be frank when when they're not a cunt and they're a good person and you kind of you just want to go out and and do well for them in a sport in which you're giving your body to and that's why our sport is so different matt to a lot of other sports like that emotional drive that attach, attachment that you have to these father figures which are the coaches like you look up to them i mean you've got a fucking tattoo of the father figure of Andy Farrell <laughs> tattooed on your leg. Yeah. I am exactly the same. And some people might say, well, it's your country. You're playing for your country. But you're in that environment and the figurehead of that environment is so important. It's undeniable how important that person is at the top and the love that you need to feel towards that man. He's like your dad, isn't he? There is that the attachment to the person that is at the top of the tree. Like you want to run through a wall. You want to give your body to that man and what he ever says. And just going back to the Australia thing, I think that Eddie Jones, and I'm not one to hit on coaches and hate on coaches and stuff like that, but maybe the Japan environment will work because they have a very different culture. The way that they go about their business yeah. is very regimented. It's probably quite old school in terms of discipline and how they view things. I know Eddie speaks Japanese, but the language and stuff like that. So we wish Eddie Jones well in Japan. They're a team that didn't really take off after 2019, the World Cup there. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go. But from an Australian perspective, who would you like to see take the keys? As a as a rugby fan, I know that you're playing for Ireland, but we, I know you don't get away from it, that you still have a relationship with Australia. You're from there, you've got mates there. Who do you think would be a good fit? I mean, Joe Smith is the front runner at the minute. Yeah. Coached Ireland. It went really well at, at Ireland until the end. I heard there was a few cracks happening there, but yeah. could he turn it around? It's hard to say. Like, I, I haven't, these sort of guys I haven't really been around. For me, um, one that comes to mind is is Dan McKellar. Like, but he, he was a coach of mine and I've seen what it's like to be under him. Um, you know, I, know I wasn't even playing around like, much when Dan was in charge. Thanks for that, Dan, by the way. Um, but, like, I still I still loved and respect Dan a lot um, throughout the whole thing. Like, there was times where I was frustrated with him and I um, was a bit shitty I wasn't playing and all that. But, end of the day, he was a very good fella and, like, so it was kind of easy to kind of to let it not slide but, you know, just get on with it and realise. You respect him. Yeah, just get on with it and you know this is your job and, things aren't always going to go how you plan. So I, I think he would have been really good, um, yeah, add to the to the team. But I think he, he kind of came out and said he's not going to do that, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. He's at Leicester. My best mate coaches Leicester and said he's fantastic, not just as a coach, but as a bloke, yeah, like as a human being. Again, it's, it's the whole encompassing thing, isn't it? So the fact that he left, didn't he, because of Eddie Jones, was that or, or you know, whatever, whether or not he decided or Eddie yeah. didn't want him or whatever. So they're missing a trick not getting him there. But Checks has been, Michael Checks has been thrown back in the mix for is a he? second stint. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if he fits the, fits. and I love Checks as well. I mean, yeah. but the fact that he's left Argentina, 
Contopomi's now yeah. the boss there. So does that mean that he's going to get back in the mix? I'd kind of, I'd kind of like to see an Aussie back in in charge. For some reason, I don't know what it is. Whenever I could be wrong, I could be putting my foot in my mouth here. But whenever a New Zealand coach has been in charge, it just hasn't seemed to click. Robbie Deans. You know what I mean? Like it, it just. <laughs> Don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't seem right. Um, you know, there's people like even like Bernie or something like that. He didn't really get his chance to to go on and and really have a crack at the at the system. I feel and who's Bernie? Stephen Larkham. Oh, Stephen Larkham, Sorry, of course. Bernie, yeah. yeah, we had him on the show. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it was Bernie. I'd say he, apparently he doesn't like being called Bernie. Actually, so, yeah, we'll call him Bernie then. Yeah, we'll That's better. Bernie, the fact yeah, that yeah. he said that you can't say I don't like being called Bernie and then not expect to be called Bernie. Yeah, I don't know why he's called Bernie, but he, everybody in in Australia would know him as Bernie. I'd say um, I think he'd be a good candidate as well. He, you know, give him the give him the crack at um, at the top role. Like Brums have been doing well. He's kind of proven everywhere he's gone. He's done he's done fairly well. So. As I said, I don't feel like he, he. I think he was under checks. Maybe he didn't get to run it how he probably would have liked, um, as well. So, I think that could be a good one. But you know, end of the day, Joe Schmidt did get results and whatnot. Uh, but as I said, I don't know. Don't know about that about New Zealander in in top. Oh, hey, well, saying don't know is enough. Like that's enough. That says says it all. What about Andy Friend? Yeah, I think Friendy would be good. Like he, if he makes his way back home, he's in that camper van across Europe. I don't know whether he's driving he's it through. Home. Is he home? Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's home. Um, it'd be interesting. I don't know if if he'd want to. I don't know if he'd want to do it. Maybe I don't. I don't know where he's at in his headspace. To be honest, he's just been on jolly up for the last six months, as you said, running around his camper van. So, but no, Friendy's. You know, to me as well, I, I found he's that sort of figure that you want at the top, like someone that you can respect and. There's a lot about family and all that, which is yeah. As I think it is, a, a needs to be a core value um, with a head coach. You just need to be able to to kind of put away the coach's hat every now and then and, and just be a good fella. And I think Friendy is that. So uh, and there's a couple of good candidates um, out there for sure. And I guess I kind of contradict myself because everybody obviously got on with Rennie very very well. But um, I wonder if they'd ever try maybe just throw him back in there if he'd want to do it. Yeah, mate, it's tough. It's tough, and that's why we say it's a mess in Australia at the minute. You know what I mean? Like we're sat here. I'm a self-proclaimed expert. You're close to the team, and we don't even know. Not that you, obviously Phil War's got big decisions to make, hasn't yeah. he? And it's now or never. Like there needs to be like a big shift with the Lions tour in a couple of years, and they're going to be hosting a World Cup, so they're going to be desperate to whatever happens now make that work going forward for the next cycle. For no, sure. I don't. I don't envy him. Too much at the moment, to be honest. But I, you know, I, I think they'll turn it around. I really do. But they'll they'll need to do something about um, keeping players like Mark around and and stuff like that, and just stop players from going overseas. Like I know the money overseas is huge, and it's going to get thrown that way. They just need to find a way to kind of match it. Like I um, I don't know if you've heard the NRL have got um, they've got like a clause now where if they're taking someone from rugby union, it's it's something to do with the the salary cap, so I don't think it actually goes over. So they've obviously gone, you know, we're tired of these guys taking ours. Let's work out a, a way that we can get their players to come over now um, and use money that way. So, um, which is a bit, bit terrifying for for Wallabies fans and people around Super in, in general. I'd say um, when you hear stuff like that, but that, that's something that I think Australia would probably need to look into as well being able to maybe break the salary cap to, to key players, let alone um, poach other ones. Do you think the players there are jealous when they look at the setup over in Europe and now with the Champions Cup and the South African teams being involved? Because when I was a player and when I was a little bit younger and I looked at the super franchises, the likes of when Bernie was playing, when Larkin was playing for the Brumbies and you had some of the greats playing, like George Smith was there and you had Ian Sharp for example, and Drew Mitchell was in his pomp and Gitz was coming through and all these players. Super Rugby was massive and you had the South African franchises and the New Zealand franchises and now there's this fractured element even to the club game now. Is there a jealousy or an envy of the players when they're looking at, I mean, your game, Ulster versus Connor, a local derby, is sold out at the Kingspan. Yeah. It's the Munster-Leinster derbies are almost sold out. It's they must be looking at thinking, "What the hell? Like this looks unbelievable." Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to them too much on that front, to be honest. Um, 
But I think, as you said, when you look at it, 100% you'd be jealous when, like, when they're just not getting the numbers and, like, the stadiums are empty. It's It'd be pretty draining kind of running out to that, wouldn't it? Like, it's... You want to... The reason you play footy is because you love it, but you, you also want to, like... I don't know. You want to be supported by by people when you're playing in that in for a team that you've kind of like a lot of those guys have grown up playing for Brumbies, Waratahs, like all those sort of teams. And yeah, I just feel like a lot of the times now in Australia, people would much rather watch at a pub than than go to the games for some reason. So I don't know what's going on there, and that's how it's kind of been for the last couple of years. And definitely when I was at Brumbies, it was it was starting to become a lot like that as well. Right. Let's just have a look. Uh, some of the big news at the minute, which might involve you, because I was going to ask you this question. So you mentioned France first up for Ireland in the Six Nations, but without Anton Dupont, mm. he's off to play sevens for France in the Olympics, which I think is mega for the Olympics. Kind of reference Michael Hooper as well, Australian captain or former Australian captain going to play. Good move, big move. Mac, you're from a sevens background. You could easily switch it on like that to to rock up and do it i yeah I'd, I'd i'd give it a go i'd give it a chance i did you I'd, play sevens is that your background or not no, am i no, just no, making I've it up played sevens. Don't know what oh you, you look like a sevens player i don't know I just yeah. maybe because you look like a sevens player i'll take that because those lads are shredded i am not shredded at the moment i've got a bit of a <laughs> i've got a bit of a pudgy gut at the moment um you got a dad bod with no kids yeah yeah pretty much I, it's the way forward i think i think girls are starting to come around to it but no, like I think it's you know seeing such high-profile people like as you said like Dupont, he's literally the best player in the world. You could say going and giving it a crack is going to be monumental, um, monumental for for the sevens game. Um, and I think a lot of people are just going to follow suit from from here on out, which is it's cool. Like how many how many times and opportunities we get to play in in Olympics, you know. I think that's just going to grow the game in general as well. Even, you know, if sevens is, is booming, then 15 sort of has to follow suit. Would you do it? I'd do it, yeah. I'd give it a go. So I can get the rings tattooed on the body somewhere. There you go. It's a just good conversation all about the rings. starter having the rings on you, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, that's more recognisable than Andy Farrell's. Right or something. Yeah, on your neck, that is risky. Yeah. Mate, we're going to get on to some questions anyway because some of them involve tattoos. But that was some big news around Anton Dupont going. Like for me, I know Ardy Surveyor got player of the year and I'm a massive Ardy Surveyor fan were you looking at that thinking has Anton Dupont not won that or you're not bothered do you not ever think about stuff like that oh uh, no look I you know Ardy himself is as I said like he's amazing he's fucking he's crazy like the things he he just has such like the, the amount of times you think you've tackled him and he just runs another 20 metres or something like that he's an incredible player but personally yeah I thought DuPont's just another level. Just crazy good. Like It, it just seems like, uh, you know, you see a really good kid growing up playing playing school footy and then just running around everyone. Like he, he does that at an international level. It's just... He does, doesn't he, Max? So it's not us building this hype train. I look at him and when we speak about it, not just for his box kicking off left and right, not just his passing, not just because his interlink play being on the inside, but his carrying... His tackles, was it you he tackled or not? Yeah, I can't he's remember. a strong bust. I don't know it from, from <laughs> first hand. Prick, he's made me a, he's made me a fucking meme. Like I, I see that video <laughs> pop up every couple of weeks, and people just giving it to me. Um, yeah, it's not it's embarrassing to look back on, but like as you said, he's just so he's got it all. Like he's just he's strong, fast, smart. But yeah, I still hate. I him. say he's the best player I think that's ever played the game. And you think about some of the names you could go through. I'm not going to list the names. And I know it's right here, right now. I look at Anton Dupont, I'm like, that there, from an all-rounder, kick, pass, run, tackle, speed, physicality, head switched on, leader, not flustered. For me, I look at him and I'm like, we are witnessing the very best player to have ever played rugby union right now in this moment. Yeah, I think he'd definitely be up there by the by the end of his career for sure. Like as you said, he's probably he's already in conversations now and he's he's got plenty more years to play, so it's a scary thought. But no, definitely won't be missing uh, you know. I think people are you know always say, Oh, you want to play the best and I'd happily not have him in the team. I'd I'd rather not play him actually, yeah. It'd be great. Be good not having him around. Well he's not gonna be around. 
So that's big news going into the Six Nations. Other massive news, which came out last week. I don't know what your opinion is on this player. He's one of my favourite players as well. And it isn't RG Snyman, it's Achir. Achir Snyman <laughs> is leaving yeah, Munster. That was actually pronounced, is it? Akia, yeah. At the World Cup, it was hilarious. So I was, as we know, I've mentioned it three times on the show already, pitch side. And the South African lads started building this rapport. So Akia came over and I'm like, ah, gee, ah, gee. And then I heard a podcast in the weeks talking about Akia. I was like, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's RG Snyman. I was like, fucking hell, I've called him RG. I mean, it's phonetically says that. I think it's It's spelt like that. I think think that's that's a fine mistake to make. I only just found out that it's not RG then, so. Oh, did you? There you go. Well, that's what we're here to do is to educate as well as entertain. I'd say everybody listening to this podcast besides a South African has just found out it's not actually RG. And don't quote me on Arkea, but it's something like that. (laughs) It sounds more like that than RG. My goodness me, that was big news. Not Look, and I'm a big fan of his, I don't know whether or not it's the right move for him to go from the red to the blue. Uh, There could be 500,000 reasons why that is the case we know I don't know if you know but the second rows are the most sought after players in the world uh, from a financial point of view because of the size of the human calling line outs the scrums everything that comes in the second row I'm, I played in the wrong era not that I would have ever got 500 bags a year <laughs> like him but that's a massive I don't know what the lads are saying about that we've seen other guys do that I can't think if we've had anyone where they're not Irish where their hand's been forced to go and move around different clubs but to go from the red to the blue from everything that I've seen I was listening to off the ball I've just seen a few things on social media it seems like a crazy move on all fronts when you look at the quality that's in the Leinster squad as well like Brian Beard uh, is it McCarthy as well in the second round you've got James Ryan I mean the quality that they've got I've just named three I know there's a couple more coming through as well but what's the general consensus of that Bothered, seen it. What are people saying in Ireland? When I saw it, I was just like, you're fucking kidding. Like, seriously. Like, they just keep getting better and better and better, don't they, Leinster? Um, no, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not uh, you, I'd say it'd be different if you asked some of the Munster, Munster fans sort of the question, but... It's business, right? End of the day, he had to leave. As you said, if he gets a good offer and it's under a coach that he knows already and obviously likes, gets around. It's a bit of a no-brainer move for him, really. I can definitely see why he did it. Uh, but, yeah, as you said, there's I, – I don't know how the Munster fans are going to take to that or how they're going to be feeling about him for the next couple months. But, look, as long as he's playing good footy and helping them win games, you know, I don't think they'll care too much, to be fair. To be no, honest. no. Easily forgotten. Was there no chance that he was going to be in green next season? Like, where are Connors' <laughs> big signings? Like, why does that not uh, happen, mate? Like, you're, it's like you produce good players, and like yourself has come through that system. Bundiaki is Connor till he dies. Finley Bealham as well is seems happy there. But you, you're looking at that thinking, where's our Aki Snyman? Yeah, no, we don't have 500 bands to to be thrown at anybody. So you know, uh, we uh, you know we know this realistically probably not going to be getting massive marquee players like that. Um, but that's fine. You know, the guys that we we pick up along the way are guys that sort of have a point to prove and kind of give you everything anyway. So it'd be lovely to have somebody like him come in, but you know, there's there's no there's no reason kind of beating ourselves up over it when probably not going to happen realistically. Mm. Uh, but so some of the players that we get and when we bring through are, are, are world-class anyway. And a lot of the guys that are coming through at the moment, like, um, you know, we're in, we're in a good place. And even though we've had a couple of losses on the trot here, a couple of tough, tough away losses and a, and a big loss at home, um, we're still in good stance and still our, our hopes are high. So uh, that's the good thing about Connick. You kind of, even with backs to the wall, you kind of never give up. It's, it's the feeling around not only you know, the sports ground, but probably Galway itself being in the West, it's not the easiest place to, to live. So uh, everybody's kind of grown up with that chip on their shoulder sort of thing. Yeah, underdog mentality as well. Yeah, I, I kind of talked about it. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we want to move away from this this whole underdog chat sort of thing. We, you know, we just want to be a team that's winning games and, you know, because I feel like you can kind of use the underdog thing as a little bit of a, 
like poor me sort of thing. So we're we're steering. Hey, that's what we do in Scotland. That's what we do. That, <laughs> what, what, that's what works for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's work gangbusters, please. Um, no, so we, you know, as I said, we're moving away from that sort of sort of thing. We want to be a team that teams are worried to play against. It's not, you know, I think we get that when when they come to the sports ground. To be honest, with the wind and the rain, nobody likes kind of playing there. Now we just got to put together these away. Um, these away games and we'll take off from there. It's hard though, isn't it? Because the perspective is and the superficial as life is, you look at the team sheet, right? And that's what people will do. And it's the high profile names where you're like, well, you know, you look at Munster full of, well, you've got South African Irish players in their internationals, British and Irish Lions. The coaches in Graham Roundtree has been there, done that, has got history. Leinster, You've got the players that they've got. They've just signed a World Cup winning coach in Jacques Ninai, but we just mentioned Aki Snyman coming across. So there's an obvious thing around that. You look at Ulster, they've always looked like they've had the, the quality of players. I know they're in Northern Ireland, so there's that kind of different emo- like emotional driver that they have around that as well. And then you have Connor. And that's with all due respect because of the players that you've produced, but that's where the underdog tag comes from. Yeah. And then I was going to ask about like, the pressure, I suppose, for someone like you, like you feel like in order to kick on in your career that you maybe have to look at a a red jersey or a blue jersey or over in the top 14 or as a player. And it obviously works for you, right? Because you're playing internationally, you play at the highest level, you're playing extremely well. Is there ever that kind of pull? I think going on this underdog thing as well, like it's a, it, it can almost be a bit of a secret. Like we got a lot of guys that fly under the radar and a lot of guys that, as I said, are coming through that are going to be really, really good players and are really good players at the moment. So, you, can, you know, we can almost use it as a secret weapon. It's kind of just how you how you look at it sort of thing. And then going on that other question, um, no, not re- – no. Like as long as I'm enjoying myself – like I love Galway. I love everybody around here. Um, we get great support and everybody's super friendly and – and you can tell, like everybody here, genuinely does love Connacht. Um, so as long as I'm enjoying my footy, uh, I love hanging around the lads and everything like that. Uh, it would mean a lot more, I think, to me to to win something here than than to go somewhere else and and win there. Um, yeah, don't know what the future holds. To be honest, on on anything, but my goal is purely to to get the job done here. Like you, you hear stories of when they won the Pro Twelve, I think it was at the time from the lads like talking about that the the whole place just shut down for a for a couple of days like everybody was just so ecstatic so I'll, i'd love to have a feeling like that and and bring home a bit of silverware to galway and speaking about the fans in galway and in the west of ireland so i put out a social media post saying i've got mac attack on the podcast for people to send questions so i think everyone in galway sent a load of questions over. Shall I read all of them or not? There's about 10,000 to go through. Let's not. <laughs> let, let's pick a handful. Uh, we can fly through them. Tam Arm 28. Can you dye your eyebrows green, please, for the Six Nations? Um, you know, why are you even questioning that? What, why are you even umming and ahhing? <laughs> like, surely you're not dyeing your eyebrows green. Uh, look, never say never. I, if, we, if we're getting to another... Is our last? I can't remember. Is our last game in Dublin again? Or I've not looked through the fixtures yet. If if we're getting to to the end and there's a grand slam on the line, I might have to might have to step up my game. Maybe moustache. Maybe not eyebrows. Moustache would be good. I reckon the moustache could be, and you'd be sponsored by Paddy Power if you're allowed. I don't know what the laws and regulations are, but let's just go rogue. Let's just not mention Paddy Power, but people will know that that's what it is. Here's one. Gareth Sully, best pub in Galway. You might have took me there where that guy thought I was 31 and thought you were 52. Was that the pub? That was fucking ridiculous, wasn't it? That was crazy. <laughs> he was he was quite obviously an alcoholic, that fella. Um, he definitely was. He definitely was. He thought I was 31. He thought Matt Hansen was 52 because he came over and because I lived in Northern Ireland and because I'm um, a fellow... Scottish tartan brother I could understand what he was saying but he was basically asking how old we were and asked him to guess and he said oh you're 31 but your mate's 52 that's what he said you had a big scar on your head though so maybe he just yeah. thought yeah oh fuck he was just I'll never forget I, I'm well off that fella if I ever see him again yeah yeah. I don't know what I'll do yeah, yeah I'll be shaking his hand but best pub in Galway <laughs> that was a decent pub 
It's good pub. You know, I think the best one, the best ones are, it's pretty, oh, it's pretty easy for me. It, O'Connor's and Salt Hill is, yeah, I'll, next time you're down, I'll take you there. You'll be, you'll be amazed. Um, great Guinness and just the man that owned the pub, um, Frank, it's, it's come down from, from generation to generation. He's a lovely lad. Uh, around Christmas time, it's unreal. They put all the lights up and music. Uh, music. Ed Sheeran actually Ooh. shot Galway Girl there. Really? Yeah. Now you're selling it to me. Yeah. Um, he did a couple takes in there. Yeah, that's a pretty good pub. What's it called again? Just give it one last name drop. O'Connor's. O'Connor's. You can't have answered this earlier, but Moon Tior Elaine. I can't say the surname. Sorry, but Munt Eor dot elaine so hello elaine what's he having for christmas dinner you can't have answered this earlier in the show which was i i don't even know where to start the fact that someone eats fish food on christmas but what are you having for this christmas probably won't be having any food over here i'm actually going to scott fardy's for for christmas so well he's a, he's, a, he's an aussie though so he's going to be having fish as well yeah but i think once you come over and it's just not the weather to be eating cold prawns and it's just it's a bit yeah it's more for just the ham and turkey. Stick to the good stuff. He's been talking up this this ham recipe for all week, um, so I'm very excited to try that and see what it's like. Nice. Here's one. Just need a name. You don't need to go into detail. But Rory Lynch, fourteen. Who in the Ireland team would he not want dating his sister? Have you got a sister? I don't have a sister. Um, Let's pretend you do. Oh, would I not? And she's your best friend. Yeah, just not- one name. Kaylin Doris. Kaylin Doris. <laughs> That's actually an easy one. It is easy, yeah. which again is like the silent assassin. Yeah. So loose, loose. He was sending me pictures. I don't know why. I mentioned this on the rugby pod as well, but he was sending me pictures. I think he was in Vegas somewhere and there was some tables at an establishment uh, that looked like a place I would like to be in with him, <laughs> but obviously I can't. I think I know the type of establish, uh, establishment you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we wouldn't want him dating anyone's sister. <laughs> so I do, I'm a big fan of Caelan Doris. And big shout out to his mate who says he's his agent, but apparently he's not his agent. It's just his mate, but nonetheless, he's a good <laughs> lad. Here we go. TJ McBride. TJ McBride. Best thing about Galway? You know, it's probably one of the... Genuinely the people. I... Everybody around here is just, they're just good people. Like, yeah, uh, there's, there's really, I really have any trouble around here. Everybody's super friendly. And since I've come here, I've definitely fell in love with how nice everybody's been and how welcoming everybody's been to me. So I'd say the people for sure. From GG underscore 5356. So this is someone that clearly doesn't want to put their name out there. They've got no picture in their avatar, but pretty decent question. I think I know the answer to it because I messaged him straight after. Has Owen Farrell seen the Andy Farrell tattoo? And it will probably put his game off if you should flash it to him in the game. But he's not playing for him. He's having a bit of a stand down. But when you play against him again. I don't know if he's seen it in person. Yeah, I don't know if he's seen it in person, actually. I'm trying to think. He has seen it. I texted him a picture of it. What did I say? Faz, big Jim, legend here. Hope you're well. I wanted to give you first oversight of Max tattoo of your dad. A man of his word. I'm expecting you to get one of Steve if you win the World Cup. Keep smashing it. And then he just, smiley face emoji. Bundy Aki sent it to him last night. So Bundy Aki sent it when it was still bleeding. So he beat me to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fair play to him. That's a lot of words from Faz. I'll take that. That's pretty much like a like a big hug, isn't it? That's a big hug. Yeah. Yeah, big hug. Any regrets or not with that one? Are you happy no, with that? No, I'm looking forward to adding to it. I- well, here's one then. Talking of adding to it. And Devs02, would you rather be stripped of all your tattoos or all your trophies? What means more to you? See, I haven't got very many trophies. I, oh, Jesus. You know, I lost I lost 10 grand finals in a row as a kid growing up. Who for? Just at school, school level, club level. Just mm. kept losing. Um, oh, man, I couldn't. Can I start again once they're all gone, or is it I'm, no tattoos at all? What do you you make the? Call? I think you, you have to go tattoo-less, like none. I couldn't. I couldn't not. I could not take the grand slam. To be honest, I'd have to get rid of the tattoos. I'd say grand slam means means a bit too much. I'm going to keep going. There's some good ones in there. So Adam King two three eight. Who's best on the piss of the island management? 
Who knows <laughs> it? Um, uh, Not muchy. He's a vegan. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Mr. Much Loose. Um, no, definitely, definitely Fogs. John Fogarty is no, he, he is serious crack. I would have loved. He's one guy that I would have loved to have played with. Grant, like, uh, yeah, growing up, he he just seems like serious crack the whole time. He's always in a yeah. good mood. Always in a good mood. Super funny guy. Loves the piss. Uh, still, uh, yeah, it'd have to be him. I think everybody would agree with me on that. Sully Ray, one, two, three. Will he stay in Ireland with a praying emoji? Yeah. You're with an Irish gal, aren't you? No, fortunately not anymore. You're not? No. You're now single? Now single, yeah. Do you keep the dog? Yeah, got the dog. Unfortunately, he's a fucking nightmare. He's been really <laughs> pissing me off at the moment. Mate, his parents are going for a divorce. Is that what you mean? Of course, he's struggling. He is, yeah. He's really acting out. He's been a fucking jerk. Um, really? Yeah, he is. He's grinding my gears massively. Um, well, maybe because he's hearing his dad talking about eating fish at Christmas and he's not having any of it. <laughs> he's like, I want this guy gone. So, breaking news, Mac Attack is now single. Is yep. that we allowed to announce that? Yep, You're back yep, on the market. Yep. It's been, um, been a couple of months now. Um, yeah, just... Don't know. Don't know what happened there. Just, uh, just Mate, you don't need to go into details on the Big Jim show. Like we, for a bit, you know? I respect that. Do you have Yorkshire puddings with your Christmas dinner? That's off Matt Brown underscore 10. I, got, if you, do you, is that a thing? Like with Yorkshire puddings, do you even know what that is in I, Australia? Do they know it? First, first Christmas here, I had it. Um, I went over to an, to an Englishman's house and he, he had a few Yorkshire puddings there. Uh, I do you love like Yorkshire pudding, but I wouldn't have them back home. Never have them back in back in Oz, sorry. Um, no, it's just not a thing. Alan Boyle, Boyle at Boyle Allen. Ask him to swear on telly five times during the Six Nations. He's got some big money on it. So have you got your swear bank ready? I genuinely can't help it. So it, it's that's a good bet. They need to stop giving you man of the match. That's why. So if the TV it. don't want to hear swearing, don't give Matt Canson man of the match. I just love, I just love the word fuck. I think it's a great word. It just... You know, it's not offensive if, if used rightly, is it? Ah, mate, in this day and age, throwing the F-bomb about yeah. is fucking nothing yeah, compared to seriously. stuff that kids are exposed to now. It's bizarre. So <laughs> stick with it, Mac. Now you might not get mad at the match now because they've heard that either way it's premeditated that you're going to swear. I might just throw out three fucks. No, was it three or five? Five fucks in a row. Fuck, sorry, fuck. Fuck, fuck, Either fuck, way, fuck. I enjoyed it. Here's a good one. Rugby Saurus at Rugby Saurus, so they must love rugby if that is your social media name. What is something that Rugby Australia can learn from Ireland? Um, oh, get the right people involved. At yeah, the top. I think that I think yeah, we've kind of gone over that. It just yeah, if you if if you got someone that's running the show that isn't doing a good job, it's just it's hard for it's hard for the players to kind of to do any any good when when you're not given the tools to to do so so i think you're bang on there yeah you just got to get the right people involved um on all levels right last one there's a load more so maybe next time we'll go through all of them but this is from baz at b underscore irish japan and this was a heinous crime that was witnessed after the world cup you know where i'm going with this it was on tv and he's asking the question what has he been doing to ensure he doesn't spill a pint on himself while downing it on camera again? Like what things have been put in place? What measures was there consequences? Will that ever happen again? Um, it won't. It won't happen again. Um, I blame I blame the plastic cups. Plastic cups are actually mm. a lot harder to drink out of than you think. Yeah. Um, so I'll make sure that I'll carry around a glass cup if I need to to games. Hopefully I'll be playing in the games and not not drinking piss on the sideline. But um, yeah, that I blame I blame the cup. Was there any backlash from the coaches? Or were they all happy? They they know what Mac attack does. You're just enjoying yourself. Well, look, right? I was on holiday, so it wasn't you know I I didn't need to be at the game. I was just there supporting my teammates and having a few drinks with my family. So no, it was it was grand. They were they were happy with it. They were fine. Well, that brings me on a lovely segue, Mac, because talking of supporting teammates and having a little bit of fun, we've got an event in Dublin. Haven't we? We have, we have, yeah. Very excited. Do you, do you know the ins and outs of it? Do you know the ins and outs of it, or do I need to promote it? Uh, you, you promote it. You're, you're, you're a good promoter. You'll do it. You'll do it more justice than me. 
So we're at the Sugar Club. That sounds decent, doesn't it? The Sugar yes. Club in Dublin. And it is Tuesday. I don't know. I don't know about a Tuesday, but we are there Tuesday. Yeah. So it's going to have to be. It's the 9th of Jan, 7.30 11pm. And it's the Big Gym Show live. But it's not about me, thankfully, because we have got yourself. We've got Stephen, get your kits off, kits off. It's coming. World Cup winner. That's how he's being sold. World Cup winner, Stephen kits yeah. off. Why did you laugh? Is that how you want to call him? Uh, I'll probably just call it, I'll call him Big Red, I'd say. Big Radis. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes down. But he's come in as well. And also, I spoke to Andrew Porter. He's confirmed as well. He said, if Mac's going, I'm going. Is that so? Me and Porter did a radio show the other day, actually, together. Our rapport was, was on point. I'm excited for Well, it that. has to be. That's the precursor then to the 9th of Jan. So we are doing that at the Sugar Club. And it's for Wings for Life World Run. So it's a great charity partner which we'll talk a little bit more about on the night the tickets are 20 euros and i think the max capacity is about 200 250 and we've sold about 150 180 tickets so there you go we're using the big gym show to promote that and if you're if you've not bought anyone anything for christmas it's an aftermath thought or present 20 euro as well come on surely 20 euros so you go to sugarclubtickets.com and you search, ready for it, The Big Gym Show. Maybe I need to change the name because it's like, it seems like it's all about me, but it's not all about nah, me. It is though. Wherever we go, it's always about Jim. Yeah, it'd be good to... I'll bring that bottle of whiskey as well that I said I owe you. Perfect. Yeah, there's an IOU. Right, Mac, we'll wrap it up, mate. That was absolutely class. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. Yep, to you too, mate. I uh, No, looking forward to seeing you. 9th of Jan, yep. face-to-face, nose-to-nose. It'll be class in Dublin, of all places. Okay. So we will see you then. And we've got to say thank you to the listeners as well. Can you get them to like and subscribe, please, Matt? Because we need to get more interaction and yep. boost the algorithm. So sell them the show, please. It's just a fucking good show. Just fucking do it. <laughs> what they, what they need to do? What do they need to do? Like and subscribe, please. Comment as well. You can say whatever do you whatever. want. But do anything, to, any good publicity to do with the show. Do it. Or bad. It just shifts the algorithm, <laughs> apparently. Mac Hansen, absolutely loved it, brother. Cheers, Merry mate. Merry Christmas. You Happy too, Happy New man. Year. Thanks very much. Bye.